Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Napetian, and Zion Trammell. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. We're here at the Fort Worth studios here tonight at the KTCU studios. Um, my name's Ian Napichin. I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle, who's in the other studio working alongside us. But welcome to episode episode five of Riff Ram Review. We're super excited to be here. How's your guys' Wednesday going so far? It's going pretty well. I'm happy to be here, uh, just ready for another episode. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We, I think this is the most excited we've been for an episode, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I would concur with that. You stole the words right out of my mouth. Uh, a jam-packed episode uh, filled with a lot of you know twists and turns that I think we're excited to share. Uh, I, I don't think I've been this ecstatic to, uh, ecstatic to start a show in a, a very, very long time. Well, we're just going to hop straight into it, folks. We've got a big, big um, weekend to talk about and to recap regarding week three of the NFL season. Lots going on, and we want to dive right into that. Just talk about some of the games that went on. Ravens, Colts, we're going to get to. Chargers and Vikings, that was a big game that we're all going to touch on. Can I talk about that? The Vikings now 0-3. That's pretty big to start the season. But we got to start off with the 70-20 to thrashing that happened down in Florida. The Miami Dolphins beating the Broncos 70-20. to We're not going to talk too much about the game itself, but rather just the whole prospect of the game, the fact that there were 90 points scored. I mean, what just just simply, what were your guys' first reactions to seeing that, that, that score line? Uh, I mean, it's a score you, you expect to see in a Oklahoma-Arkansas State game, not in uh, an NFL game with players that, you know, even if the Dolphins are miles ahead of the Broncos in terms of talent, those are still NFL players on the other side of the field that the, uh, that the, that the, Dolphins were playing and to beat them by 50 put up 70 points I mean an historic game and I mean they asked Mike McDaniel after the game whether or not why he decided to not kick the field goal to break the record of 72 which is the most points scored in an NFL game and he was like "Ah, well you know that's that's not why we play the game but I wish he kind of did I really wish he did yeah we could have really seen some history there but the Dolphins did total 726 yards it's the second most in a single game in nfl history the rams had 735 in 1951 Uh, we saw an incredible running performance from raheem mostert and uh devon a chain is that how you i believe that is is how you say his name yeah and it really just goes to show that the dolphins probably have arguably the best offense in the NFL right now. They have so many weapons, so much speed. Mostert is a very fast running back. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, they can stretch the field. And Tua Tagovailoa, he, he he gets criticized a lot, but he had a, he had a big-time game, obviously. Yeah, he, he did. And, and I think one thing with the Dolphins now this year is that you're finally seeing all the pieces coming together, right? You draft Tua. Um, back in whatever year it was. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But you draft Tua. It takes some time. Obviously, last year you had your ups and downs. Tua getting hurt. That wasn't a great thing to see as as a just a, as a pure NFL fan. But then 
You now have Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. You're getting, you know, seeing guys like Raheem Mostert getting, in, you know, getting into that mix. That this offense is now finding its gear, and it seems pretty unstoppable so far. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I, I just want to mention that Jalen Waddle did not play in this game, and they they still managed to put up 70 points. Yeah. Did you guys see the celebration of Tyreek Hill when he awesome. went into the stands? That was pretty funny, honestly. He is, he's carrying my fantasy team right yeah, now. Yeah, he embodied me whenever I saw that he had 157 yards yep. and a touchdown in fantasy this week. That was really, really fun. Yeah, and on the opposite side, talking about the Broncos, Sean Payton obviously was not too pleased with what happened uh, after the game. Uh, do we have that. Do, do, do. We do have the clip. You said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic game. I'm aware. Third time the team has scored 70 points over seven. What's the question? What's the question? How do you feel about it. I just finished telling you. Historically embarrassing. Next question. You know, I think it's funny that the reporter continued to press him about that. Like, yeah, you know, you guys lost. But historically, like, how do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah. I feel pretty crappy about it, reporter. I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, yeah, I don't blame Peyton for not answering that question because it wasn't really a question. Yeah, no, it, it was funny when he says, "What's the question?" And then the last two words you hear in that clip is historically embarrassing. Just yeah. <laughs> like, like if it couldn't get any worse, just gonna tell you once again, historically embarrassing loss. I mean, you're Sean Peyton. You're Russell Wilson and the rest of the Denver Broncos, you know, I mean, on, on shows, you know, Shannon Sharp was saying, look, you know, people are trying to say that it's not Russell Wilson's problem. But then he said on, on, on the show, he said, look, Russell Wilson can put up more than 20 points. I mean, with this Broncos team, where's the problem exactly? And, and does it lie in Russell Wilson's hands? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think Russell Wilson deserves a lot of the blame. Obviously, he could be better. But we kind of talked about this in the last episode. It's more so their offensive line is subpar. Their weapons do not stay healthy. Their skill position players don't stay healthy. And your defense just gave up 70 points. If anything, Russell Wilson should be at the lower tier of of blame to point. I think John Elway deserves a lot of criticism as well. I mean, if if they're saying, hey, Russell Wilson should be able to put up more than 20 well, yeah, they're probably not incorrect, but uh, it wouldn't have mattered. It, exactly. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. You still you put up thirty, you still lose by forty. You yeah. know, so that's that's a weird thing to criticize Russell Wilson for that. Yeah. Now, now shifting gears a little bit, talking about the Chargers Vikings game. That was a game that last week on last week's episode we were all super excited about. Two zero and two teams coming into that Sunday. You know, an NFC and AFC team, we don't necessarily see these teams play all that much, but this was a really important matchup to see who was going to go 1-2 and two and who was going to start their season 0-3. And, and starting 0-3, it doesn't, you know, mean you're out of the playoffs, but it's definitely a tough hole to get yourself out of. The Vikings nearly fought back. They had two red zone possessions in the fourth quarter, couldn't get any points out of that. And on that last drive when Kirk Cousins tried to find Hawkinson, Hawkinson wasn't able to get the... Was, he wasn't able to get his hands on the ball, popped it up, and it was picked off, and that's what sealed the game. But, I mean, what, what do you guys make of this start for the Vikings? And, and, I mean, just even talking about the game itself, what, what, what were your thoughts on it? And, I mean, for the Chargers, that's a big win. Well, 
for a team that played on the margins so much last year, the Vikings were 11 and 0 in one possession games last season, and that was their season. They went 13 and 3. Uh, and they they uh, again they they played so close to the margins in all of those games, right? Just one little extra bounce of the ball and they could have lost some of those those football games. And you're seeing the exact same or the exact opposite thing play out this year. All three of their losses, they're 0 and 3, 0 and 3. In one possession games, all of them have been by one score. So it's just you're seeing how when you play that style of football, when you assemble a roster that is going to play uh, games like this, how it can quickly turn on a dime just like that in your favor, but also against you. That's bigger picture. Uh, in in terms of this game, it was a really good good finish to this football game, right? You mentioned it, Ian. A lot of fun, uh, and frankly. You know, I wish it would have ended a different way than that. You know, that pick where it just kind of felt like the balloon was popped, and you're like, kind of felt like anti, a little anticlimactic. Yeah, and that was it is a big loss for the for the Vikings. I kind of wanted to talk about the Chargers a little bit here, because I actually picked the Vikings to win, and the Chargers definitely didn't make some great decisions uh, towards the end of the game with Brandon Staley going for it on fourth and one there. At their own twenty-five, yeah. too. That that was a really strange call. A recipe for a loss. Yeah, it it was, and they're lucky that they got away with this. And the Chargers, we they've had so many problems with that. And the fact that they were able to win this football game by rushing for thirty yards, <laughs> thirty yards. Josh Kelly had eleven carries for twelve yards. That's the leading rusher for the Chargers in a 28-24 win. You know who had to carry them once again and who has been doing this for who who knows how long? Justin Herbert. He dropped back to pass 47 times. He had seven incompletions. And it was an alien-like performance from Herbert. He, yeah, it was a remarkable performance from Justin Herbert. I, I'm a Justin Herbert stan. I... I always defend Justin Herbert. This was an all-time performance. So to go, for him at least, to go 40 of 47, 405 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and will his team to a victory, he deserves a ton of credit for that. And it was a game they had to have. Again, Ian, you said it. You're 0-3, you're... You're kind of out of it, right? Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not going it's, to... It's, you can still... You're still... I mean, the season's not over, but it's, it's far from being a certainty that you make the playoffs or even noise in the rest of the regular season. And he willed his team to a victory. Uh, you know, again, the Chargers, even with that miraculous and awesome performance from Justin Herbert, probably should have lost the game. Yep, exactly. And and, and again, I, I mean, you know, in retrospect, right, I mean, going back and talking about this fourth and one decision to go for it there, they, you know, Chargers didn't get it. But I have no doubt in my mind if Kirk Cousins leads the Vikings to a game-winning drive and scoring a touchdown, Brandon Staley does not have a job on Monday. I I mean, you go for it on fourth and one on your own 25, and you lose the game like that, right? In that scenario, I don't think Brandon Staley would have a job. I think he's very lucky that the defense showed up on that final drive because Brandon Staley has made huge errors as a head coach multiple times. One of them, I'm just going to give an example, was two two seasons ago against the Raiders when he took a timeout trying to get the ball back, and the Raiders kicked a field goal and knocked the, the Chargers essentially out of the playoffs. 
um, in the with with the last kick of the season. With I mean, the tie game, the tie game. I was wanting the tie. Yep. yep. I exactly. wish it was a tie. Yeah. So you know, definitely. I mean, obviously, congratulations for the Chargers. Now they're one and two. You know, hopes are you know on the positive track now, but. Vikings got a lot of work to do. They've dug themselves a hole, but we don't have time to talk about that anymore. We want to shift over and talk about this Ravens-Colts game. Not the highest scoring game, 22-19. to The Colts got the win in overtime over in Baltimore, but it wasn't without some controversial, um, just, just some controversy. I, I mean, Zion, that, that last play, you and I were watching it, that fourth and five, fourth and sixth play, there was there was some contact that possibly could have been called for PI. Yeah, and it, that was pretty blatantly obvious that that was a pass interference. And Ravens players and fans have every right to be mad about that. They also did have multiple opportunities in overtime where they could have put the game away. But at the same time, that's like that's something you have to make that call, right? That's that's literally game changing, and now the Ravens have a loss on the column because of that. So, yeah, it was it's it's an unfortunate call, and you know it just went right for Indianapolis. My only thoughts on this game is that for the last uh, half hour of the game, it looked like two middle schools playing football against each other, and it was yes. the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I want more football games that look like that look incoherent. I want so many. I root for the tie in overtime every single time yeah. i want a team to tie five times and then when we get to the end of the season we're like where do we where do we put this team <laughs> you just want chaos <laughs> i i do want chaos and i wanted these these teams to tie it was like a couple years ago i think uh, who someone tied twice who was it was it it was it Pittsburgh? It might have been Pittsburgh. I, I think it was. Yeah, Pittsburgh tied twice. Was that two years ago. Two years ago or so. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's the that's the most fun I've had watching football in my entire life. You can't you cannot tell me that you know. And we all get up on our on our soapboxes like, well, you know, ties ties are for wussies. Well, I tell you that ties are fun, and it's the funniest thing whenever a tie happens in the the teams are greeting each other and the coaches are greeting each other and they don't know what to do. No one's celebrating. No one's pouting because you didn't lose, yep. but you didn't win. And I want to know what the uh, the post-game speeches are like in, in a tie scenario. Like, well, uh, let's 60 minutes on. of football. Yeah. <laughs> we played that uh, and nothing came of it. So next week yep, yep we, we we traveled away many hours to go back not any better but not any worse congrats <laughs> just okay yeah. we did it boys exactly exactly but now moving on um got to talk about the sunday night football primetime game my las vegas raiders we are really avoiding the obvious game here yeah you guys want to talk about it for a second we have to you have to right yeah all right come on cowboy fans Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> the Cowboys were one for five in the red zone, and they didn't score a touchdown in the second. Did they score a touchdown in the second half? Uh, yeah. They no, didn't. they didn't. No, no, they did they not didn't. score a touchdown in the second half, and they lost to the tanking Arizona Cardinals and Josh Dobbs. It was a, a sad performance for the uh, Cowboys of Dallas, but. You know, we pick up the pieces and we move on. I don't have a lot of things to say in terms of, you know, what went wrong in the game. What went wrong in the game is that the Cowboys reached the red zone five times and scored one touchdown. And 
that that I mean that's that's pretty much the game right there. They score another touchdown, it's a lot more close. They scored three touchdowns out of their five trips and you know, they win the win the game. Uh, a really bad start too. It really felt like uh they entered the stadium and just thought that they were going to be given a win even with three of their offensive linemen out of the game and obviously Trevon Diggs out with an ACL which happened like 24 hours after we ended last week's show so we didn't really get to talk about that much but yeah just a, a sad performance and I'll let I'll let Zion you know get get on his soapbox and maybe spew some thoughts about this as well yeah it's not I won't rant okay it's only week three Cowboys fans will be okay just it's kind of the usual routine every single year you know the Cowboys they're gonna have a bad loss happens every year they almost lost to a one win Texans team last year the last game of the regular season I believe they lost to Washington which was just a terrible game it's a pretty simple routine you uh you Turn off your phone. Don't go on social media because the trolls will come out of hiding to clown on the Dallas Cowboys. But no, in all seriousness, I mean, yeah, it's, it just wasn't a great performance. Of course, when you don't have your top three offensive linemen, it makes things a lot more difficult. Dak didn't have as much time to throw. Uh, routes couldn't develop as deep downfield as they would have liked. They had to shorten the, the sticks a little bit. And on defense, they got punched in the mouth. James Conner ran all over them. And the D tackles, I think, up front there was kind of struggling a little bit. I think the Cowboys honestly just didn't have the energy that they had in the first two weeks, in my opinion. I think Arizona was coming out ready to play. Josh Dobbs played well. And you just kind of have to move on. It's it's a loss. It's not going to – they're going to – it's going to suck later down the road. But – the Cowboys will be okay. Yeah, it's a game they might regret later on. You said it there. The schedule is tough. I mean, they play San Francisco in two weeks. They got the Dolphins later on. They got to play the Eagles two more times. It's a tough schedule. But, and, and obviously, you know, you're going to look back on it. If this doesn't end up working out well for Dallas, then you're going to say, wow, they really needed to beat the freaking Cardinals. But, you know, it's fine. And and we we live and we learn in uh, Frisco and Arlington. Things will be okay. The The Patriots and Ezekiel Elliott are coming to town. Everyone watch. Everyone watch. It'll be fun. Yep, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, you you guys really said it there, and, I mean, this is just one small example of it for the Cowboys just in this specific week, but you can have all the pieces you want, but if, the, but if that offensive line isn't there, I mean, there's there's not much else to say, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't protect your quarterback to give him time to get the ball to the receivers, to get down the field, you're nothing, right? And and I know this is kind of a stretch, but that's exactly how I felt with the Raiders this weekend. You know, the Raiders, you look at their team, you had, you had last year's best running back in terms of total yardage on the ground. You have Devontae Adams. You still have Hunter Renfro. You have Jacoby Myers. You don't have a great quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. You have a smart quarterback. But without an without an offensive line, you're just going to get squashed, and it's it's such a simple thing in football. Yet, this simple thing can make or break a team, you know. And and so yeah, I yeah. don't even think it's the reason they lost, though. Again, the reason that they lost was that the offense was actually pretty fine in between the twenties, right? They start at the twenty five or wherever, and they get to the twenty, and then all of a sudden they forget what they're doing. It was that was pretty much the game, uh, but you know, it's fine. Yeah, it's a it's a problem they had in the first couple weeks. I think they just got to figure this out. 
And, you know, the penalties, too, is also really critical. They had a lot of silly penalties that can add up. And, offsides, 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 yep, offsides. Mul- they had, like, three in a row. It was bad. I, I, I was very disappointed in that. But they'll bounce back. They'll be okay. They will. They will. Well, coming up in the next segment, we've got a little spiciness going on in Arrowhead Stadium. So we'll get to that. That should be pretty obvious to everyone listening. But coming up, we'll talk about T-Swift and Mr. Travis Kelsey. You're listening to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. It's Saturday. You and your wife take the boys to the mall, straight to the food court. Your wife and Pete head for tacos. You and Danny want Chinese. You look up at the menu for a few seconds. You look down to see what Danny wants. But you don't see Danny. Your eyes dart around frantically. You instinctively call out. Danny! Danny! From the taco place, you hear a voice. Hey! Dad! Change my mind! Every parent knows that feeling when, even for a few seconds, you lose sight of your child. Imagine if he or she were actually abducted. Go to wirelessamberalerts.org. Sign up for free Amber Alerts on your cell phone. When an Amber Alert is issued in the areas you've chosen, you'll receive a free text message. If you spot the vehicle, the suspect, or the child described in the alert, call 911. Sign up today at wirelessamberalerts.org. A child is calling for help. This message brought to you by the Wireless Foundation, the U.S. Department of Justice, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to episode five of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napishan and Seth Dowdle. That was very fitting to open up this segment with a Taylor Swift song because it is all that people are talking about right now on social media. She has taken not just the entire world, but the sports world by storm. She was in attendance at the Kansas City Chiefs game when they took on Chicago, sitting next to Travis Kelsey's mom, Donna Kelsey, and it was an instant hit. I mean, it it was all over social media. There had been rumors over the last couple weeks that they had been, quote-unquote, hanging out. Hanging out. And that rumor ended up becoming true, and it was... And it was insane. There was so much talk about it. I still can't believe it. It's it's a powerhouse couple to say the least. You know what's crazy? You know we Taylor Swift has truly entered the sports realm when Adam Schefter is tweeting out before the game, Taylor Swift will be in attendance. Yeah. At Arrowhead Stadium for the Chiefs game. Yeah. And I flipped out. Did you? I was inconsolable really? it was it was just uh, it was a moment of pure there was a lot of emotions that happened in that moment well seth you're a pretty big uh taylor swift fan why don't do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit like you're you're low-key a, a taylor swift yeah swifty yeah what do you want me to say about it well like okay how long is this is this like kind of been a recent like the, fandom or fandom i'd say like a recent six month kind of fandom for okay. me yeah that's pretty recent yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, same with Travis. I'd say it's a pretty recent fandom for him as well. I, I think we should, should we should we set the should we set the scene a little bit for how this even happened? 
Yeah. Why, for those who are not yes. aware, give, up, give why, us a little time. You know the here. lore here. of why Travis Kelsey or why Taylor Swift is at a Chiefs game with Travis Kelsey's mom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I don't know. Four months ago, maybe less than that. So Taylor Swift has been on her Eras tour for uh, a little less than a year now, right? Or it's over in the U.S. I should say the international segment will pick up in next year, but. The U.S. tour was huge. The highest-grossing tour in United States history. Uh, Sold-out crowds. It was almost impossible to get into these things. If you wanted to buy tickets on the resale market, they were going to cost you $1,500 to sit behind the stage where you couldn't even see her. It was it was crazy. Well, Travis Kelsey goes to her show in Arrowhead, and he brings a friendship bracelet with his number on it, trying to... You know, I don't Riz. know. Uh, you know, swoon her, I guess. Well, he is denied at this at this point <laughs> uh, by I don't know security or higher ups in the Taylor Swift PR department or whatever management or just I don't I don't know I don't know what happened. But Taylor Swift does not receive the friendship bracelet with Travis Kelsey's number. But he tells the story, he tells the tale, and he shoots his shot. And we all saw what he saw on Pat McAfee, what he said on Pat McAfee a couple. Uh, days ago where he said i saw you rock the stage at arrowhead how about you come and see me rock the stage at arrowhead and she did with his mother and then they left together after the game in the same car well to get to the car though she had to go in a little popcorn box didn't she (laughs) i think it was a fridge not a popcorn box i don't know i i i couldn't find the words i'm literally sitting here listening to you talk about it i'm like popcorn box popcorn box popcorn box yeah so she was in the suite and no one there was like there was like hundreds of people outside the suite she was in and no one saw her leave the suite but they did see a fridge leave the suite so that is the theory that she was in a fridge of popcorn of Maybe you know, insulate, <laughs> insulating her at least, you know, yeah. to to get to to where Travis was uh, in the locker room. I don't really in the underbellies of Arrowhead. Possibly, yeah. I don't. We don't underbellies know. of something. Oh, we, <laughs> we don't. We don't know where or how she got there. But anyway, she was there. And uh, are they dating or are they just hanging out? We don't know, but something's happening in Kansas City. Something is brewing up at Arrowhead, and I, I, I just want to offer my point of view on this. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. I'm, I'm not a Taylor Swift hater. Don't get me wrong. I think she's wonderful. But I had no problem with her up until Sunday. For everyone out there, I'm a Raiders fan. I despise the Kansas City Chiefs. I despise them. I can't stand them. It's a rivalry as old as time. And Taylor Swift just had to go and choose the one team that I disliked the most in the NFL. She could have dated Hunter Renfro, and you would have been all good. Exactly. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, yeah, Taylor Swift in Vegas every week. But no, she's got to go to Kansas City, rock it up at Arrowhead with Travis Kelsey, who gives two butt whoopings each year to the Raiders. Yeah. You know what's even worse about it, too? Not worse, but just heartbreaking for a certain fan base is she's an Eagles fan. <laughs> It is rough. That's true. It is rough, and there are there are a Kelsey and a Swift on the Eagles. Yeah. You know. Oh wait, here's a big winner in this, and we'll pivot. Uh, maybe here's the big winner of this whole ordeal. It's not Taylor Swift. It's not Travis Kelsey. It's not even the Kelsey family. It's DeAndre Swift, the starting running back for the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. He. There's probably so many confused Taylor Swift fans that see a Swift jersey and they're like, "Hey, they did it. They made one for us. For us, they made it." <laughs> They made it. Little they, do they not know that it is DeAndre Swift, a running back 
who is not any way related to the situation whatsoever. Yeah, the only relation is that he is teammates with a Kelsey, Jason Kelsey. Which is pretty cool. That's I, I think that's cool. I saw that in the, I, I I saw a post on NFL memes <laughs> and it was these two were dating. Yeah, and it was like you're trying to tell me these two guys are dating Jason Kelsey. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah that was pretty funny. I it's honestly crazy because not just DeAndre Swift jersey sales might go up, but Travis Kelsey's jersey sales went up four hundred percent. Those Swifty fans are out in full force. I've seen TikToks of like people explaining the rules of football. And they're like, thank you for this, thank you. Like, they're fully invested now. Uh, another winner of this is the NFL. They're getting so many new fans now, people that will tune in to watch a really good football team with the Kansas City Chiefs. They'll probably be on primetime several times. And they're on Sunday Night Football this weekend. Yeah, and they're going to watch the, the, the Chiefs. They're going to watch Travis Kelsey. So it's just a free... It is nothing that the NFL had to do. It's a free marketing uh, point for them to build off of by being able to have hundreds and thousands of new fans. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go on, go on, go uh, on. No, it's, I, I was finishing my point. Ian just, like, dropped his <laughs> jaw. I'm a little confused here. What is? I don't know what he is. I don't know what he's doing. I was just thinking. The Eagles and the Chiefs played last year in the Super Bowl. How crazy would it have been if Taylor Swift was the halftime show? Oh, that would have been crazy. That's a good good job, Ian. Good job. Thank I you just for thought putting of this it. in my brain. That you know, would have been crazy. Go back in time, plop her down in there. I mean, Rihanna was great. <laughs> plop her down. Yeah. You know. Now they got Usher this year. That should be interesting. Yeah. 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 Maybe. yeah. Cue the SpongeBob music. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Usher, like... No disrespect to Usher, but like Usher, maybe several years ago, probably would have been a cool. I think more than several years ago. It's about ten years ago. <laughs> maybe even more. But anyway. But talking about music, there's this new hit single that is set to hit the world, and our Seth Dowdle's got it. Yeah, we've got the inside source to this song. Seth, why don't you take it away here? I just want to thank the writers of this song. I just want to thank Chad GBT writing this song for me without further ado it's time for fumbled away fumbled away ian and i have not heard this yet by the way feel free to you know make comments during (laughs) during (laughs) oh travis kelsey you had your game but loves a different kind of fame we dance through the end zone hand in (laughs) but now it's time to make a stand you caught my heart like a touchdown pass But now it's shattered like broken glass I thought we'd make it to the final score But now it's over I can't take any more You were the quarterback of my heart That's the wrong position But now we're worlds apart I'm leaving this field, I'm moving on. Our love, like a fumble, is finally gone. 
I won't be your cheerleader anymore I won't let your love control the score I'll find a love that's true and real Not just a game, not just a thrill This is wonderful Two more So Travis Kelsey, this is goodbye No more tears, no more sighs I'm running towards a brand new day in the end zone of life I'll find my way Encore! Wow! <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> that was amazing, Seth. I don't know what was better, that ChatGPT wrote that or that you actually just performed that in the studio. <laughs> Welcome to Riff Rim Review! That's probably the craziest thing we've done so far. That was probably the best thing that we've ever done on this show. That I just hope that y'all were cracking up behind there. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were. I mean, I broke several <laughs> times during your performance. I didn't want to throw you too off, throw you off too much. Uh, this is my petition to get Seth Dowdle to perform at the Grammys. Oh, I mean, come on now. Well, can we can we not just say that when inevitably this relationship can only end one of two ways? They will get married or they will break break up. And the breakup is the more statistically more you know viable option here. That when they do break up, we email this song to Taylor Swift and see if she will perform it. Yeah, it might take a while to get to her. But we'll try. We can find a way. We can try. If Travis Kelsey can find a way to weasel his way into her heart, then we can find a way to get this song into her inbox. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We could try. But, Seth, I have to say, for hearing that for the first time, that was was good. Do you... Have you had any, like, singing experience? Like, was this... I have. Really? Yeah. But that was... I mean, I I wasn't trying there. Yeah. Well, you gotta try it, Seth. Well, I noticed a couple notes. Like, I'm no... I'm not an... I'm not a... Judge of the voice. I'm not a singing expert. I, I I couldn't be on American Idol, but I noticed some notes there that you hit. I was like, okay, that that seemed like it came from somewhere. It didn't just you know float out of nowhere. Was the composition good? Did we, did we like the music? The, it back, was. The, back, the background music. It was good. Yeah, it was much better than I expected it to be. Really? What? Did <laughs> I I don't know. Singing on a show, I had no expectations, but you exceeded all of them. Well, that is Fumbled Away by ChatGPT and Seth Dowdle. You can uh, see Zion and Ian's reaction on YouTube. We, we will surely post this yeah. in its entirety somewhere. We'll have to go back and forth between you singing and our reactions, because we were dying over here. That was incredible. Seth Great job, but that will wrap things up here for our segment about T-Swift and Travis Kelsey. We, When we return, we'll talk about the, our games of the weekend for the NFL, and we'll have college football talk in the second hour. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. Meet Designated Dave. Hey, Dave, my main man. What's going on, bro? Dave provides a valuable service to college students. Um, hi. I just got a call from Amber. She said she needs a ride home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on a sec. Amber! Designated Dave is always on call, ready to lend a helping hand to kids who are too impaired to drive safely. Whoa, no Hey, Amber. Dave, I am so wasted right now. You don't say. Dave doesn't ask for a fare. Dave? Yes, Amber? He doesn't even mind if you Ralph on his upholstery. I love you! That's nice, Amber. 
but designated Dave can't be everywhere at once. So if you're planning on drinking, be sure to plan ahead. Make sure there's a designated driver with you or have someone ready to give you a ride. Oh my God, I love this song. This message is brought to you by your friends at KTCU. What's going on everybody and welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. It's a wonderful Wednesday night here in Fort Worth. My name's Ina Pishan and I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. So we're just coming back from what was just an amazing little song rendition from ChatGPT and uh, Seth Dowdle. Thank you so much for that little uh, that that mini concert, if you will, here at the KTC Studios. We'll do it. We'll do it more often if it's a lot of fun. It was great. It we, was it was it was wonderful. We just need more celebrity sports couples. We do. We do. We got to get Selena Gomez next. Exactly. Selena Gomez in the NFL. But yeah, with Taylor Swift now coming in, super exciting stuff. But now we've got some big games this weekend. Week four of the NFL season is coming up. We've got big slate of games. It's taking longer than I anticipated. (laughs) But on a dark, dark night in New York, we've got the Seahawks and the Giants on Monday night football. And we've got the Dolphins and the Bills, the 3-0 Miami Dolphins looking to take down an AFC rival. And then last but not least, a still somewhat exciting game. The Tampa somewhat Bay Buccaneers <laughs> taking on the New Orleans Saints, both 2-1 in the NFC South. Some exciting games here in Week 4. And might I add... The Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots. Yes! McCarthy, America's team, looking to bounce back. These are the games of the weekend. Brought to you by the Riff Ram Review Crew. I was not expecting that. That was awesome. I was not expecting it to take that long to get it. Yeah, we're like, of the... We <laughs> took a little bit to get there. It did. It did. But that anyways, was a good time. that was a really good time. We've got week four of the NFL season to look ahead to. Each of us, myself, Seth, and Zion, have each chosen a game that we're most excited about. We didn't want to necessarily pick some of the most, you know, just just run of the mill games that are like, oh yeah, that's obviously a big game. Some of them, some of them are, but we each picked a game that we're going to be keeping our eyes glued to the screen for and. I guess, Zion, I guess, you know, we can start with you. What's your game of the week? Yeah, so when I looked at this week's schedule, this game popped out to me right away. It's Monday Night Football, Seahawks at the Giants. This is a game that can be very critical when it comes to the wildcard race coming down to the end of the season because, of course, I think the Eagles and the Cowboys will be atop of the division in the NFC East, and I fully expect San Francisco to win the NFC West. So these are two teams that were both in the wildcard last season, And I think that they've had kind of an up-and-down season. Of course, the Giants got blown out by Dallas 40-0. Then they were down 20-0 to Arizona. They come back, beat the Cardinals, and then they got blown out again sort of by San Francisco. While Seattle, they got punched in the mouth by the Rams. Then they bounced back in an overtime win over Detroit, and then they beat Carolina. But this is a really critical game 
because it's I think it's a good indication of where both teams are going to be heading to the rest for the rest of the season. For the Giants, it's a little more dire because you're one and two. A loss here really puts you in a bad position. But I'm really curious to see the quarterback play between Geno Smith and Daniel Jones. Who's going to emerge as kind of the guy? Might come down to the wire. Who's going to lead their team to victory? So I'm really excited for this game. Yeah, no, this 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 game. One thing that I'm excited about is. Again, I, I think both of these teams still have a lot to prove, right? Last year, the Seahawks with Geno Smith, you kind of put together a season that not everyone was really expecting. You had the, you know, you had the players in the positions. You had Kenneth Walker, unfortunately got injured last year. You have DK Metcalf. You have Tyler Lockett. You have a good receiving core, and they put together a decent run last year. And now you're now now we're kind of seeing them doing this again, but. They still have a lot more to prove, right? They're 2-1, and one, great position, but now they're coming up against a Giants team that for them, just like you said, this game is massive. You either go 2-2, two and two, get back to 500 in what is a real tough division for the Giants, or you wallow away down to 1-3 and three and you've really dug yourself a hole. But really excited for this game. I want to see how Kenneth Walker does. He's been phenomenal. Last season he was great all the way up until he got hurt. This season he started on 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 just as good of a start that any running back would want came out of the gates i mean last week he had 97 rushing yards and two touchdowns i mean yeah. just just he, it's exactly what the seahawks need and I'm, I'm really curious to see how he does going up against this uh this this giants defense yeah he's one of the exciting young backs in this league and i'm really looking forward to seeing what the giants can do to kind of combat that a little bit because they've kind of been run over a lot in the early going, Tony Pollard had a good game against the Giants. So I'm curious to see that. And Seattle's defense needs to step up, too. They've given up a lot of points. So they need to, you know, lock in, bear down, and try and, you know, hold New York to not a, a less of an offensive performance that they've given up in previous weeks. Can I welcome you to Seth's Trivia Corner? Oh, look at this. You got the Kahoot music? Oh, my goodness. All righty. I need y'all to tell me where Geno Smith finished in the MVP voting last season. Where did he? F- Third. I'm going to go. That's very, very bullish. I'm going to get, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess seventh, eighth. That might be a little generous. Zion, you are the closest. The answer is ninth. Oh, okay. I honestly think that was a little ninth. Okay, I, I thought I thought it was a little lower. I thought I, I was kind of being a little generous. I felt. I don't know. For some reason, I said three. <laughs> well, because <laughs> felt really really high. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had a decent year last year. He did. You know, bounce he, back year. It was it was a little bit of that Big Twelve. You know that 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 Big Twelve side of me that was like, you know what? I like Geno Smith. We yeah. do like Geno Smith. We do. It's the Geno Smith revenge game against the Giants. That's that's all I will say. He played in two games for the New York Giants. Went 0-1, threw one touchdown. Hopefully he throws more than one touchdown against them if the Seahawks <laughs> want to win. They probably will need more than that. Ian, tell us about your game. All right, folks. So the game that I'm kind of really going to be watching this weekend, it's – it's maybe an under-the-radar kind of matchup, but I'm really looking forward to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints game. I think both teams have a lot to take away from this game. A win is massive for one of these teams, and a loss will be huge. 
I know that kind of sounds like a very generic, general statement that's, you know, pretty obvious when a team's going to win or lose. But both of these teams are heading into Sunday at 2-1, and one, both of them coming off losses. For the Saints last week, right, I mean, we, we all watched the game. They were up 17-zip before, um, before Jordan Love and the Packers put together what was a crazy second half comeback they scored 18 unanswered points um the 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 Packers did and beat the Saints and for the Saints they're entering this week now with Derek Carr he suffered an AC joint sprain um Dennis Allen the 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 Saints head coach has said he's week to week they're gonna evaluate him and reevaluate him every day heading into this game but this could be really interesting to see what the Saints do because Saints lost everything they had when Derek Carr went out in 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 uh, Green Bay this weekend and even though Jameis Winston has been there for a while it just seems like once he went in there there was no confidence there, there was no confidence the offense was not nearly as dynamic as it was when Carr was in there but Saints they've got a lot of work to do coming off of this tough loss I mean Den- Dennis Allen's going to want his team to respond but then looking at the other side of things the Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Baker Mayfield who I think so far has done a solid job with them. They started out 2 and 0 and then unfortunately lost in Monday on uh, on on Monday night to the Philadelphia Eagles 25 to 11. But again for the Buccaneers, I mean, I feel like this team and I think we've all kind of agreed is that this is a team we could see making a late run trying to get into the wild card, possibly even winning the division. I mean, this this division, the NFC South is not incredibly strong to begin with i think when Derek carr left the raiders and went to the saints a lot of people had their money on the saints right seeing what okay what what is what is desmond ritter going to do in his second year with the falcons what is baker mayfield going to do in his first year with the buccaneers not really sure but again these two teams could make a run for a wild card spot and i think this could kind of line up what this end of the season could look like yeah. Oh, go ahead, Seth. Welcome <laughs> back to Seth's Trivia Corner. We had a brief hiatus. Sorry to cut you off there, Seth. No, it's okay. But Jameis Winston will presumably be starting this football game in lieu of Derek Carr's absence. Jameis Winston infamously played for the Buccaneers for many a years. He was drafted by them. In 2019, his last season with Tampa Bay, he led the league in four offensive categories. Can you name two of them? Interceptions and sacks? Touched. Oh, wait, okay, was, was one of those correct? Him. Interceptions is correct. He touchdowns. led the league with 30 interceptions. He did not lead the league in really? touchdowns. No. He had 33, but did not was lead the league. Was it passing yards? Passing yards it is passing okay. yards. Okay. 5,109 okay. passing yards for Jameis Winston in 2019 as, long, as well with 30 interceptions. Wow. That concludes this edition of Seth's Trivia Corner. Which year was that? 2019. Yeah. 2019. That feels so long ago. Uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to say quickly, yeah, the NFC South, I think, like you mentioned, it's pretty wide open at this point. It's for any team, you know, for the taking there. And so, yeah, this is a pivotal game. The Saints, what I, they're going to miss Derek Carr, assuming he's out. What I think Derek Carr really brings to the table is his leadership. He, to me, is the ideal quality, like, as the ideal qualities of a leader. And I've always loved what Derek Carr has done as far as that goes. And he's always been a pretty good quarterback. Even in the bad games, he always takes, you know, the liability or whatever it is. 
So I think they're going to miss that. And the Saints have played in a bunch of close games this season. I think every game has been decided by three or fewer points. Yeah, that's that is correct. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they can do if this game comes down to the final minute or so. You know who's a guy they're really going to be happy to have back? Alvin Kamara. Yes. That is someone he may not have the same juice as he did a couple years ago, but they have struggled with the running back position. Our guy Kendry Miller is over there, but he was hurt for the first two weeks. Then Jamal Williams got hurt. So they're certainly going to be happy to have Alvin Kamara back. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And 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 I think that that's kind of what's tough for the Saints, right, is that you come into this early part of the season and you say, okay, you know, we're without Kamara. But we've got some pieces that we want to see how they fit together. And Derek Carr so far had been really connecting with Chris Olave. I think Michael Thomas has actually played a more prominent role than I expected him to, to be completely honest with you guys. But now Derek Carr gets injured and Kamara comes in. I think the Saints and Saints fans in general just want to have a healthy team yeah. and at just at one point this season and to play with all of their all of their, their assets at the same time. But anyways, that's enough Saints and Bucks talk, Seth. You got one of the biggest games of the weekend. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah, y'all just y'all just gave this one to me, and I'm very happy that y'all just gave this one to me. Uh, this is the game of the week, in my opinion. Bills, Dolphins. It is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, the Dolphins coming off a game where they put up 70 points. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, uh, winning 70 to 20, and the Bills coming off a big win themselves against the Commanders. Defense only let up three points. So a battle of two AFC heavyweights, uh, a very key battle in that AFC East division race. Uh, This game, the first of two, and usually I feel like when these two teams play, they're pretty fun pretty fun matchup so hopefully we get some of the same on a sunday afternoon the key to this game uh simply is is very is very simple can the bills stop the dolphins right uh and if the bills can't can they keep up right and if there's a quarterback that you choose to to will you in a in an offensive slugfest i'd say that josh allen is pretty high up on that list uh so Either way, I think Buffalo has a good shot here, but I think I'm going to lean towards Miami just because that offense is clicking on all cylinders. I mean, Mike McDaniel is a genius. If uh, Mike McDaniel is the equivalent of the nerd from the heist movies who cracks all the puzzles, if they just pulled one of those guys and put him in a headset and on a coach's sideline, that is Mike McDaniel. Yeah, no, Mike McDaniel has drawn up some crazy plays over his time with the Dolphins. I got to go back to the Dolphins-Broncos game real quick. That shovel pass that Tua had. The no-look one. Oh, my days. That I, I watched that back so many times. It's, it's it's almost like one of those memes where it's like, how many times have you, have, have, have you watched this video? And the person responds, yes. It's like, I just watched it on loop. It mesmerized me that they actually planned that and that it pull, that, that, that they actually pulled it off like that. Mike McDaniel, I have trouble taking him seriously just from the way that he acts, the way he looks, the way he talks. Just seems like he still seems like an assistant coach type of guy. But you got to give credit to him where 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 it's due. I mean, he's done such a phenomenal job with the Dolphins, and I mean, this year starting out three and zero, it will be a test against the Bills. But I, I I do think the Dolphins could edge the 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 Bills here in this one. Yeah, Mike McDaniel is the guy. Like he's the coach that. If a frat guy was given 
the keys to a football team, that's Mike McDaniel in a way. Like just like the nerdy frat guy, you know? I don't know. That just I get that energy from him. But it's pretty funny to what were you gonna say, Seth? Well he just thrown <laughs> Yeah, you're exactly right. Just we're gonna we're gonna use everything. Him and Andy Reid are very similar i feel like where there's just they're very loose <laughs> what are you joking <laughs> what they're loose mike mcdaniel and andy Reid. well hear me out did y'all not hear that story about how one of the like janitors for the chiefs drew up a play for andy Reid and they did it and it was a touchdown whoa really or something like that i feel like that's something that would happen in the dolphins organization with mike mcdaniel oh 100 okay i see that but along those lines that's what yes, i meant they're similar well, they're, they're different <laughs> mike mcdaniel has never said i'm gonna go eat three cheeseburgers after winning the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah. mostly because he hasn't won the Super Bowl, but he's never. Mike Andy Reid would never do a sideline like a sideline interview at halftime and then race the camera operator to the locker room like yeah. Mike McDaniel did on Sunday. That was that, that was awesome. I just love his energy, but I think what it's going to come down to in this game really quickly is that yes, Josh Allen I think can go toe to toe with Tua in this Dolphins offense, but he has to take care of the football. He gets so careless sometimes. I. I don't know how many times I count where he drops back to pass and they want to go deep and he just flings that ball. He has one of the strongest, probably the strongest arm in the league and it's completely airmailed and it's an interception. He's got to take care of the football. I mean, if you had an arm like that where I would it, do it, too. It, essentially your Uncle Rico, and you're like, I can throw it over the mountains. You, yep. Would you do it every single time? I, to- I would do it every single time. I totally would. But <laughs> when it's a game that actually matters uh, and not Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite, you know, you do have to take care of the football. So I love Uncle Rico. I, I got to see that through for, for Josh Allen to to take be smart with the football, make the right reads, and the Bills can pull it up. So that will wrap things up here for our games of the weekend. Coming up in the second hour, we will be talking about college football from this past weekend as well as talking about TCU's matchup with West Virginia and recapping their last game. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. Am too, am too. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown-up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome to Hour 2 of Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice, your choice for college radio. How's it going, everyone? I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. We just talked about the NFL in hour number one. Now we're going to head on over to college football here in hour number two. We'll get right into it. So this past weekend, we saw some big-time games here and some blowouts for sure, starting with those Colorado Buffaloes who saw their 
early season Cinderella story come to a that a dire yeah, end a dire end there they lost to oregon 42 to 6 it was just a absolute butt whooping by oregon and the and bo nicks and the oregon ducks um there's a fantastic way of putting that yeah it was it was it was bad it was a really bad loss there for colorado who just was riding a ton of hype and momentum heading into this week Really a big opportunity opportunity here to prove to the rest of the nation, for those that hadn't really believed in them, that, hey, we're pretty legit. We can contend, but I don't think they're quite there yet. They've got a good story. They've got some great players there. They're just not ready to compete with the top of college football. And good for Oregon. They proved that they're a legit team, and they should be the ones that should be talked about and not Colorado. So. Yeah. Here's the thing. Despite the mass improvements that you mentioned there, there are some great players. Travis Hunter, who did not play, even if he did play, the score does not change, I do not think, that much. Uh, There are mass improvements on the coaching staff and in player personnel, right? No one can argue that they are more talented than they were last year. Uh, Still a a long way to go. And uh, Colorado is still not as talented as most of the teams on their schedule. And yes, TCU is included in that. They are not as talented as TCU top to bottom. They just had a better day. I think I've kind of that's the conclusion that I've drawn from that game is that TCU uh, on their best day is beating Colorado nine times out of ten, in my opinion. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, and it, Oregon knew what, what everyone knew coming in to, into the game. This is what I wrote in my notes: is that uh, Colorado is not great on the lines of scrimmage. Right, their offensive line is very leaky. Right, there's there's some cracks in that offensive line. The defense is not good. The defense is not very good at all. Colorado State, if you're letting Colorado State run it up and down the field on you, that's not a, not a very good sign. Uh, uh, yeah, sure, they've had a great transfer class, but you're young, you're unexperienced. A lot of the players that you're starting aren't were not getting very meaningful playing time, if any playing time at all, at their previous schools. So, yeah, this is a big learning opportunity. They really came in very confident into this game. I don't know if you all saw some of the clips that uh, – Colorado players were in pregame smack talking Oregon players, but they had, they got some humble pie very quickly. It was very evident from the kick that Oregon had this game in control the entire way. Oh yeah, and and I mean just seeing those videos, I I I didn't expect anything else from Colorado. You know, if if I'm being completely honest, but I think for Colorado this this loss is going to actually turn out to be good for them. It's kind of the punch in the mouth that they need, um, very similar to how kind of we were debriefing that TCU loss to Colorado after week one. You know, I mean, it's it's going to be what they need, not saying that they're going to change a whole lot, but it, it was good to see that, look, Colorado was a little confident, a little cocky going in. We've got some clips from that. But then, I mean, talking about Oregon, I mean, gosh, that, that, that speech that their head coach gave before that game, that was great. That yep. was really good. Let's throw it to Dan Lanning right now. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass, right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Let's go.
I am ready to run through a brick wall for Coach Lanning. Like, I'm ready to put on the pads. That was awesome. We are committed to Oregon right now. If we were good football players, we would have gone to Oregon if we heard that speech. I I don't even have any doubt in my mind that I would be an Oregon Duck right now. That was as cool of a pregame speech as you're going to get. Like, what a way to wait until game day. You don't say much throughout the week like the other coaches have said about Dion in Colorado. Wait till the game of and fire your players up. That was awesome. Hats off to Coach Lanning. Yeah, I think he learned something from the he, he's a, a defensive coordinator at Georgia for a long time, Dan Lanning. He he took some of the the Kirby Smart pregame speech lessons uh, and, and took him over to Oregon. I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, I, I was actually going to touch on that. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what game it was from, but there was a pregame speech from Kirby Smart that was made public, and it was one of those things that I listened to it and I was like, all right, if I'm having a bad day. I need to listen to that. Like it's 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 those are those types of speeches that you automatically just for a split second say, "I'm an Oregon fan right now." Just for a split second, or, "Dang, that was a really good freaking speech." Like like, you know, I mean, and, and and again, those are the things that certain teams need. And I mean, it was great to see Oregon come out like that. It was pure domination. I mean, Oregon was up forty-two zip at halftime. Thirty-five zip. Oh, thirty-five zip. Okay. 35 zip and then you only score one more touchdown but i mean like they came out of their blocks and 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 really showed up over in eugene what's even funnier and i wish that you know at halftime they interviewed lanning and he said we're not done and i was like they're gonna score 70 oh my gosh they're gonna score 70 points on them and then that touch that touchdown to make it 42 nothing was on fourth and goal they went for it and a 35 nothing game, and I was like, they're going for Colorado's throats. And then, obviously, they took their foot off the gas. I don't think, at that point, they're not trying to hurt their own team. Yep. And I think the, the epitome of this game is that Colorado finally gets to the end zone in the fourth quarter, and then the extra point's blocked. It's just like the perfect way to end the game, pretty much. <laughs> brutal. Absolutely brutal. So, let's move on here from Colorado. We'll talk about the most exciting game from this past weekend, to, to many people, and that was Ohio State and Notre Dame. The Buckeyes pulling off a 17-14 to win, winning at the buzzer, well, with one second left. But they won in the final seconds, and the biggest takeaway is that Notre Dame had 10 players on the field on the last two plays. Yes. Or on the, on the third, was it the fourth? The last two plays, technically. So this is the fourth yeah, down, though. Yeah. Here's, here's the scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Ohio State gets to the one with seven seconds left. They call their timeout. So now they have no timeouts at the one. So they they have two plays, essentially. The first play, they decided to throw a little fade route that didn't do anything. So now they had three seconds. And so then they run out onto the field, and Notre Dame has ten players on the field for the last play of the game. Or the, the last play. It wasn't the last play, but there was three seconds left. It, they have ten yeah, men. It was the last play, pretty much. Notre Dame calls timeout because they notice that they have ten men on the field. Good. Timeout also to, you know, talk things over. They saw the formation, blah, blah, blah. We see this all the time. Then they trot back out there. There's still only 10 people on the field for Notre Dame. And so now they only have three down linemen, Notre Dame does, and there's an obvious gap on the left side of the offensive line. And so then Kyle McCord just goes, hey, we're going to run it to the left. And they run it to the left. And to Notre Dame's credit, they defended this play really well for only having 10 people on the field. Like, they got to that guy really quick, but 
no, Ohio State only needed one yard, and obviously they won the football game. Yeah, they had to review it because he barely got in. And I, I honestly believe if they had 11 players on the field, Notre Dame probably wins this game. And, I mean, that that's just a heartbreaking way to lose a game where if you didn't even have enough players on the field to come up with the final stop that you needed. But give credit where credit is due. Kyle McCord on that last drive was excellent. I mean, he that that's really impressive from a young quarterback like that playing on the road in a top 10 matchup. That that's 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 a gritty performance. I was very happy to see that from him. Yeah, it was really cool. It was it was really fun to see he didn't fold at all. The moment was not too big for him. That environment was very hostile. Uh and and he he came in and when the lights were bright, he gave his best performance of the night. It was really uh, cool to see uh, that from Kyle McCord and you know that just continues the lineage of Ohio State quarterbacks who are either competent or really good and that's what Ryan Day's been able to do and uh, speaking of yeah I was just say I love Ryan Day but calling out Lou Holtz like that at the end saying it's always been Ohio against the world it's going to continue to be Ohio State against the world should we hear it from the horse's mouth Ian shoot man isn't going to be easy, but it came down to the wire. And what can you say about the performance from your quarterback, Kyle McCord, to finish that drive? Toughness. Toughness. That's it. Physicality, cross the board, finish it off, having guts. You know, like I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team, what he said about our team, I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio, and it's always been Ohio against the world. And it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. Ohio against the world, you're telling me the same state that made this song? Ohio boys, let's hit it. You're telling me that that's that we're competing against them? They're nobodies, goodness gracious. Yeah, and 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 I, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is. Honestly, I think it was. I think the game went past Lou Holtz's bedtime. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, like, no, seriously, Lou Holtz probably didn't see that. He woke up and was like, "Who's this guy calling me out?" Yeah. Well, uh, should we should we should we play what Lou said because I don't think it was that egregious. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Play yeah. it, Seth. He has lost to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan twice, and everybody beats him does so because they're more physical than Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame will take that same approach. What is so crazy about is that? Is he wrong, though? He's not wrong. All of that is true. Michigan Michigan ran all over Ohio State last year. Yeah. The year before as well. Mostly in the, the criticisms of Ohio State were they're not physical yep. enough. And they were very close to making it to the national championship last yeah. year, which I'll give them credit for, but they didn't. I just like to apologize for playing that Ohio Fried Chicken song for everyone that, here. That uh, hurt my ears. I know that it was hurt nasty. my. It was really bad. It was really bad. I yeah. apologize, everybody. It's okay. Ryan Day, I, you didn't deserve to get flame like that. Lou Holtz, you certainly didn't deserve to get flame like that either. It's just a bad day in Ohio, at least for Ohio Fried Chicken. Yeah, but but not a good day for Ohio State University picking up a big win like that. The Ohio State University. Yeah. So Seth. Let's talk about your Seth 
Seth's Saturday slate as we look ahead to this weekend. What are some of the games that you've got your eye on? Oh, we got a couple. We got a couple indeed. We'll start off with the game that I will be in attendance for. Texas A&M is playing Arkansas in Jerry World at 11 a.m. I will be there in the nosebleeds with the best view in the house. So if you're there, come come see me. I don't know what uh, section I'll be in, but I mean... You'll be able to see me from the International Space Station. That's how close I'll be. So uh, I'll be there for that game. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, A&M's quarterback, Connor Wegman, is out for the season. It was just announced today. Uh, Originally, the diagnosis was a high ankle sprain uh, with a timeline of two to four weeks. But today we got word out of College Station that he is out for the rest of the year. Max Johnson, the lefty southpaw quarterback, will take over. Uh, for A&M. Arkansas coming off a really close loss against LSU. The other game here, begrudgingly, I'm putting USC Colorado on a pedestal here. I think this might be the last time that Colorado gets anything on the Saturday slate from me uh, if it goes poorly. I don't want I don't think we need to subject ourselves to any more sad Buffalo noises, guys. Mm. There we go. We were missing that. <laughs> we were missing. We were missing. This segment felt like it was missing something, and now we've got it back. Uh, in the midday at 2.30, this is the game of the week, in my opinion. Kansas at Texas. Looking forward to that game. Kansas coming in as 17-point underdogs. Uh, I recall a time a year ago where a team full of a bunch of what the national media called nobodies went into Austin as underdogs, and they said, Texas is more talented than them. They're surely going to beat them. Well, what happened, guys? Kendra Miller ran for a 75-yard touchdown, and Quentin Johnson got loose in the coverage. Yep. And TCU won the football game. TCU won the football game. Yeah, I think that's a little – 17 points is a lot. I think they're a little un, a bit underestimating Kansas as a football team. Our Jayhawks. Good- this is a Jayhawks pot in football. In football, I want to make this very clear. Yeah. This is a Jayhawks pod in football and a Duke Blue Devils pod in football as well. That's my final game I want to touch on. Duke hosting Notre Dame, who just is coming off a heartbreaking loss at the hands of Ohio State that we just touched on. Duke is undefeated. They are ranked number 17 in the country. College game day will be there for the first time ever. Ever College game day is going to Durham for football. They've been there, obviously, many times for basketball. But we, here at the Referendum Review, we root for TCU football, we root for Kansas football and we root for Duke football that is our order well Seth thank you for your Saturday slate Seth's Saturday slate I love that that's so awesome so when we come back we'll take a quick break we'll talk about TCU's win over SMU and we'll look ahead to this Saturday's game where they will take on West Virginia and resume Big 12 play you're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice Mozart talks, these are so very great. Kids rejoice when Mozart's on their plate. They know they're quite nutritious and so delicious. They'll lick the dishes and, and soon you realize how impactful your kids' involvement in the arts can be. They'll get better grades, make more friends, and express their individuality. When they learn 
Hot from the toaster and filled with the essential creative thinking skills of an 18th century musical genius, Mozart Toasties are an important part of an arts-healthy childhood. Studies show that involvement in the arts helps kids increase test scores and promotes academic achievement. Feed your kids the arts. For 10 simple ways to learn how, visit americansforthearts.org. The arts. Ask for more. Brought to you by Americans for the Arts, the NAM Foundation, and the Ad Council. Everybody to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. We just got finished talking about some of the big college football matchups in, gosh, what is this, week five? Is this week five of the college football season? Yeah, yeah, yeah we've cra- we're crazy. <laughs> so yeah, we just got finished with that. Seth Saturday slate had a bunch of games that we were looking forward to, but now we want to go back briefly and talk about some TCU football. They just are coming off of what I feel has just been their most complete game this season, a 34-17 win over the local rivals, SMU, beating them. Um, man, it was a great game, great day for Fort Worth, great day for Sonny Dykes and the TCU Horn Fox to keep the iron skillet here for the second year in a row. But TCU coming away 34-17, to again, just to reiterate, I think this was the most complete game we've seen this team put together so far in Zion. I mean, again, 60 minutes of really, really good football. Yeah, I thought it was definitely the best game of the season, and it feels a little less like a rivalry because TCU just keeps winning. Now, I know they lost in 19 and 21, but they've won 19 of the last 23 matchups between these two teams. That's pretty pure dominance, but I really liked what I saw from this team. I was hoping they'd match the energy with SMU, and they certainly did. I I really liked to see that. They came out, you know, really matching them as as far as that goes i think the big thing for me was the secondary i was very pleased with the secondary i thought they won a lot of those one-on-one matchups they didn't really give up too many big plays uh from smu that's kind of what we're a little nervous of possibly but they came away with two interceptions josh newton and bud clark and they won a lot of those one-on-one battles they were physical and i love seeing that and i hope they can carry that moving forward should we uh address the elephant in the room what is the elephant i'm unaware i made an error in judgment yes last week you did on wednesday you did and i would like to apologize yeah apologies not accepted yeah (laughs) you picked smu to win Come on now, Seth, 35-31. And I, and I made a post on our social media pages kind of in a little backfire to Seth's take yeah, there. Yeah, you were oh. just telling me that I, I said things that were bad, and I did say things that were bad, but I just want to jump into this right now, but we'll get it out of the way. West Virginia 56, TCU 0. You're trying to go viral again. It's not going to work. Uh, I'll give my real score prediction, and it is. I'll take uh, in a little bit. Yeah. I'm just going to let y'all know, it is not that. Yes. Well, quick shout out to Roger Kennard who commented on our video. <laughs> he said, "Wrong. Go Horn Frog football." <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. So, Roger Kennard, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, we appreciate the support. Thank you for putting Seth in his place. 
for saying that TCU was going to lose the iron skill at 35 to 31, but instead flippity flop 34 to 17 TCU. So Roger Kennard, little shout out there. But yeah, Zion, going back to what you said, the secondary was, I want to say it was the most improved piece that we've seen in of, of this season. I mean, Bud Clark, Josh Newton, both getting picks. Abe Kamara played really well. He, he, he didn't get on the stat sheet with an interception or a turnover or anything like that, but he made some really great, I guess, pass breakups um, throughout the game. Um, he was really good. Namdi Obiazer, we've talked about him at length, each of us. And, I mean, him moving from that safety position to linebacker was definitely tough. But just like Sonny said in Tuesday's press conference, he's progressed each and every week. Each and every day at practice, he's gotten better. I'm really looking forward to this defense, and especially how they match up against this West Virginia team that at times could be, you know, could cause some problems. But I was really happy with how our defense looked. And then going back to our offense, I thought Chandler Morris looked as sharp as ever. We saw him spread the ball once again. He found over 10 targets yet again um, for the fourth time this season. And then Amani Bailey, who's averaging 120 yards a game, after four games, he's got 483 rushing yards. I've just I've been so impressed with what Amani Bailey has done. Um, really happy to see how he's really taking this role and kind of grabbing it by the by the scruff of the neck. Um, so really looking forward to what they can do this this weekend against West Virginia. A lot of fun. Good win. Uh, they won the game. I told y'all I was gonna be willing to eat crow, and I did. And you know. I'm I'm happy that they won the football game. I Preston Stone really did not impress me as much as he had in previous outings that I'd seen him play. So I mean, that's all I'll say. Yeah, and going a little back to Monty Bailey, that dude, man, Sonny Dykes will not stop praising this guy, and f- I mean for good reason. He always talks about how what he sees from him in practice. He's always there. He wants to take as many reps as possible. They have to, like, slow him down. I just love seeing that from him, and he has just been so much fun to watch. I, I, I'm i definitely big on Imani Bailey. You know who else I'm big on? You know who else? Jared Wiley. You guessed it. Jared Wiley. This is a Jared Wiley fanboy right oh, here. Oh, it, it is. Oh, yeah. Two touchdowns. Ian and I were up in the press box, I, you know. Pumping my fist every time Jared Wiley found the end zone because yep. that's my guy. It just builds on your narrative every single day. You yeah, can, you can come to the you can come to the office and you can you can think to yourself, man, the guy I picked to be a key player, I was right. Episode one, I talked about who will could stand out from TCU, and I said Jared Wiley. I think is going to have a big season. He just keeps doing that. He's great in the passing game. As far as blocking, could maybe use a little bit of improvement. But as a receiving tight end, he is great, and he's definitely developed that chemistry with Chandler Morris. I think I think every tight end should be six seven. That's the winning formula. Yeah, yeah. no, no, it, it is, and and kind of staying on that topic of tight ends, I want to talk a little bit about Chase Curtis. Again, I think this is one of the most underrated positions, at least group of players on TCU's team this year. Chase Curtis is another guy that Sonny Dykes has just been really happy about, really impressed with. He said that, look, Chase Curtis is a team player. He's a leader. He will do anything for the betterment of the team. And it was great to see him this weekend. He had he actually led the TCU receiving game 
um, with two receptions for 55 yards and a touchdown. He had that big, what was it, 36-yard touchdown towards the end of the game. That was his first career collegiate touchdown, so congratulations to Chase Curtis. But again, I think the whole point being is that TCU's got a really deep receiving core, whether that's the wide receivers or the tight ends, right? And and when you look at that, seeing all those options for a guy like Chandler Morris, who just found everybody he needed to this weekend, he found 11 different receivers. Um, again, in each of the games this season, he's found 10 or more. And it just, it, it, it continues on that narrative of, look, Chandler is slowly growing each and every game, each and every day and building trust with his receivers. And again, going back to what Sonny Dykes said, Zion, you and I have heard this like crazy this year, but the more he gets in tune with his receivers, the more he trusts where they'll be, the more his receivers know where they need to be for Chandler Morris, the better. And we're finally seeing this team really gel. And and the players and the coaches have said it, they're really close to the roof kind of popping off of this offense. Should we pivot to this week? I think we should. Yeah. TCU is going to be welcoming the climb, the West Virginia Mountaineers. Or you know what's funny? I've the Twitter discourse. You know, you SMU and TCU they don't like each other. So the the accounts that are fans of each are just you know at each other's throats all week. TCU and West Virginia, there's no hate. We do not hate each other at all. So the only beef that I've seen is just. West Virginia t- Twitter calling us Dallas State University, and then West, uh, TCU Twitter calling West Virginia Western U- Western Virginia. Yeah. Wow. Ding. Gong. Yeah, was, I didn't know we had the gong effect, Seth. <laughs> yeah, that was my hydro class. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, that was That's awesome. very loud and clear. <laughs> could definitely hear that. Uh, no, I have nothing against West Virginia. I'm cool with them. They're well, fun. I don't like hydro flasks that make loud noises. I, I don't either. During the middle of our our, our, our radio show, goodness gracious! Just trying to be sneaky about it, and uh, that failed. Anything but. Well, West Virginia and Sunny Dykes has talked about this. Has a, a defense that can play. This uh, this Mountaineer defense ranks first in the Big Twelve in third down defense. Just a twenty five percent success rate on third down. That's going to be key for TCU. TCU, whenever they. You know, and I guess you could say this for any team. Whenever they have a good day, it's because part of the reason is because they're successful on third down a lot, right? And this is where I'm going to get to the offense. That play calling, the play calling deep in the red zone and on third and fourth downs sometimes gets a little too cute for my liking. I think one of my favorite sayings now is just run normal plays. They work. That's why they're normal. But that's beside the point. That's my soapbox for the week. Uh, The offense has been great. It's been. It's been really, really good, and it's going to be interesting to see how TCU stacks up against a defense that's played pretty well. Their only bad game was against Penn State, who's ranked in the top 10. So it's going to be really cool, I think, to see under the lights how TCU handles uh, a defense that you know kind of tripped them up a little bit last year, right? Yep. TCU had some trouble with West Virginia last year, and you know playing in Morgantown is always a little bit of a doozy for TCU. They've they've kind of struggled there historically, but it's going to be cool to see TCU in the All Blacks under the lights at the Carter at 7 p.m. It's going to be a a, a ton of fun. And another key, uh, and I'll let you all expand on this a little bit more, TCU's going to have to prepare for multiple quarterbacks to enter the enter, enter play for West Virginia, and that has been a bit of a struggle point for TCU in the Sunny Dykes era. 
We saw it last year against uh, Kansas. Jason Bean really just you know, – TC was like, there's this other dude? Yeah. There's another dude? Texas Tech threw three quarterbacks out there. And then even against Kansas State the first time, once Adrian Martinez got hurt, they had prepped all week for Adrian Martinez. Very obvious at the very beginning that they were not prepared for a different style of quarterback in Will Howard. How are they going to do that? Is it is it how are they going to respond to whenever someone else who potentially has a different playing style comes into the game and, and alters the West Virginia offense? That I think is one of the main keys for TCU this week. It is, and and kind of I guess in in terms of combating that, I think the biggest thing TCU can do, and it it it, it really starts with that defensive line. You need to win that line of scrimmage on that defensive side of the ball. You need to get pressure. But then on top of that, you need to have your linebackers be ready for the quarterback to scramble. And that's and I think that's one of the biggest issues that TCU has had to deal with was containing quarterbacks. Yeah, all right, you get the pressure on the quarterback from, the, from, from your D-line. All right, great, that's part of the job. Now the other part is getting him in that backfield and not letting him run for a first down. We saw that a little bit this weekend with Preston Stone. We saw it with Shadur Sanders. But now with West Virginia – you just you you have to prepare for both possibilities. I mean, you you have to. And again, that that's kind of been the whole thing is that this TCU defense has been getting better, but at the same time, they haven't been playing some 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 of the best offenses. But I think this game, I mean, West Virginia could prove to be really difficult for this TCU defense to handle. Um, so no. R- Really looking forward to this defense trying to win that line of scrimmage battle. Just get some push. If you get some push, get some pressure, I think TCU can definitely have some success. Yeah, and they also TCU also needs to win the turnover battle. This team under Sonny Dykes is very, very successful when they win the turnover battle, and they can limit that. Chandler Morris early on had some you know red zone turnovers, and you cannot do that against West Virginia's defense because they will pounce on any opportunity that they can get. So that's going to be really important. And, of course, sticking with what's been working, right, on offense. It's spreading it out, using each receiver's unique talents to the best that Kendall Bryles can, finding ways to get them open and pound the rock, keep giving the ball to Imani Bailey because he will – open things up I think eventually it might take a while they might struggle at first but I think eventually Monty's going to break through and that's going to be the key here for TCU is sticking to what you've what's been working and cleaning up some of that stuff in the red zone well now to just wrap up this segment let's get our score predictions in Zion I'll start with you TCU West Virginia this weekend what are your thoughts okay so I'm going to go with a low scoring game here i think tcu has gotten into some they've scored a lot of points recently i think they still will put up a decent amount against this west virginia team i'm gonna go 27 17 tcu baby that's what i've been waiting for that's what it's all about that that will, that will be my mood on Saturday, assuming the Horned Frogs can pull this one out. All right, 27-17. Yes. Got it. All right. Mr. Mister Dowdle over there in the studio. TCU, 28, West Virginia, 13. All right. I like it. I was, I'm was. i very similar to you guys. I'm going 
TCU 31, West Virginia 13. I'm hoping TCU. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I love it. No, I mean, 31-13, that's, that's the score I'm going with. I know it's a little high scoring for the TCU offense in terms of going up against a West Virginia defense that has posed problems for other teams this year. But this could be the game where TCU really kind of sees their offense lift off and just say, look, we are here to stay. Last week wasn't a fluke. We were on our game, and we're equally on our game today. So, And I'd just like to clarify, 27 points might not seem like it's a low scoring, but for the way the offense has been playing, to me, that is, it's like it's not going to come easy. Those 27 points won't come easy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just, just had to clarify. Yep, yep. And, and, and again, this will be the last thing, but Sonny Dice and all the players have said, look, there have been a lot of points left on the field. Red zone trips ending up in field goals, red, red zone trips ending up in turnovers. But TCU will look to continue their winning ways against West Virginia this Saturday at the Carter. It's a blackout game on Saturday, Saturday night with kickoff slated at 7 p.m. When we come back, we've got a fun little segment to wrap up tonight's episode. A little bit of Immaculate Grid, maybe a little MLB Pickle. And then we've got some talk about one of the biggest trades in the NBA offseason. So when, you, when we come back... We'll be doing some little fun games to wrap up this this episode five of Riff Ram Review. You're listening to 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. Today, my new dad threw a barbecue. Today, my new son and I threw a barbecue. There were burgers and chicken. I burnt everything. The burgers, the chicken, the salad. Ah, they were delicious. They were awful. And then and then we had watermelon. <laughs> I'm allergic to watermelon. And then we played catch. I broke Mr. Lewis's window. Mrs. Wakeham's window. Mrs. Wakeham's windshield. And then, somehow, my hand. My hand! And then my dad even let me drive his car. The hospital's on the right! It was a rough day. It was a great day. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome to our final segment here on Riff Ram Review on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. This song just never gets old, Seth. I love it. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. We're going to have a little fun here with this final segment. But first, we're going to talk about the big news in sports media, not Taylor Swift, not anything NFL-related, but the NBA, where the Milwaukee Bucks acquired star point guard Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. This was a massive trade, guys. I mean, I could not believe it. We were sitting here in the studio, Ian and I, just chilling. And I said, oh my goodness, what just happened? This was a massive trade. Uh, so obviously the Bucks get Damian Lillard. The Blazers get Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara. I honestly have not heard of him before. Uh, 2029 first-round pick and two pick swaps, while the Suns, they were the third team involved in this trade. They get Yusef Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. This is just a massive trade for all teams involved. It's roster altering. I personally just can't believe it. 
Yeah, I mean, seeing Damian Lillard, um, for, 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 for those that don't know, I used to live in Oregon for about five to six years. So for a period, I, I, I went to a lot of Blazer games, and I was a big kind of, at the time, I was always saying, look, Damian Lillard needs to leave the Blazers. He's never going to win anything here. And to see him finally move on is big. It's it's a big step for him in saying, look, I'm you know perhaps a future Hall of Famer. And I need to go win something. And the time is now. He spent a long time up in Portland with the Blazers. Blazers have a great fan base. They love anybody that plays for their team for the most part. Because pretty much anyone that plays for the Blazers is typically a really just good good person at heart. But really happy to see Lillard taking his talents to the Bucks. Oh my gosh. I mean, him and Giannis is going to be crazy. And Chris Middleton is there. I, I love Chris Middleton. I think he's a really fantastic player. But seeing Lillard finally going somewhere else, it's a bit refreshing. And I think for him, it'll it's 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 the right decision. This is the exact opposite of where he wanted to go, though. It is, and I think that is the funniest. I think this is the funniest scenario for a trade of Damian Lillard. That yeah, I think this is the funniest one. Just sending him to a climate that is the opposite of where he wanted to go he wanted to go to miami for those who are not in the know uh now he gets to go to uh you know miami you know it's a party city the weather's nice all the time it's just a fun vibe in miami now he gets to go to milwaukee wisconsin get ready to learn cheese buddy cheese heads (laughs) it's for yeah definitely complete opposite but it is i think in my opinion this is the best pairing in the NBA. Damian Lillard has expressed interest in wanting to play with Giannis. They their play styles will not interfere with each other and Damian Lillard brings perimeter offense and playmaking that they've been lacking. Drew Holiday's a good player. He's a great defender, but Damian Lillard's outside shooting is going to be a game changer for one of the best defensive teams in the NBA and that loss is pretty critical but it is certainly an upgrade. They've added Malik Beasley. Uh, they still have Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez. Uh, was, Bobby Portis, I just... Someone, yeah, I some, my some of these Bobby people, Portis. this guy doesn't belong in this group of people. <laughs> well, Bobby Portis is actually a really good bench player. I know, no, he, gets, he is. He's he just been around. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's gotten around in the league, let's just say that. Yeah, and but he's a, a spark and energy off the bench for them. And not having to give up too much of that bench because the Bucks are so deep is really going to prove critical. Grayson Allen was a decent player, but what they get in return is exactly what the Bucks needed, and it's a pretty good reason to keep Giannis there. Yeah, and 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 kind of touching on that depth aspect that you're talking about there, Zion. Again, I think you can have the best five, but when you want to win a championship, just like in any sport, it's the depth that is is the most important. You need to have a deep bench to make runs because in an 82 game season you're gonna have injuries you're gonna you know and and just like the nfl or or any sport at the start of a season there's always one or two maybe three guys in the league that get hurt big name guys obviously not wishing that this would ever happen to any team but it's something where that's why you need depth right and that's what we've seen with all nba championship teams is the depth comes into play. It's whoever has the better bench to come off, provide a little spark when you need something, when, you're, when, when, when your starting five is at the end of the road, you need something from your bench. So, no, I mean, Bucks with, with, with this bench, 
I mean, Bucks are looking really, really good heading into the season when, we're, what, we're only a couple, just just a few weeks away now. Yeah, they just opened up the uh, training camp. Yep, yep. So that that's exciting um, for sure. I got I got nothing else to say about Damian Lillard, guys. <laughs> He's going to be a, a big imp- impact star. And uh, the Bucks, hey, might pick him to win the, the whole thing. We'll see. Yeah, and also quickly, I just wanted to talk real quick. What I thought was interesting was what the Suns did here, and that DeAndre Ayton hasn't really shown a eagerness to play for Phoenix. They got Bradley Beal this off season, and they wanted to beef up the bench. But Yusef Nurkic is not really a guy I want as my center because he just can't stay healthy, and. He's more of a defensive liability, which is kind of what this team is lacking. And Grace Nasir Little's a good, you know, role player. He's got some potential there, but I, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan with what Phoenix was able to get there. Yep. No, no, totally. It's totally. Not, it's agree. not a good center lineup that Phoenix has. Let's just say yeah, that they've got so much offensive prowess there. Obviously, with Booker, eight. Uh, I said eight and Booker, KD, and. Uh, and Beal, but Devin Booger. Do y'all want to know the centers that the Suns have on their current roster right now? They got Yusuf Nurkic, Bol Bol, yep. Drew Eubanks. Jock Never heard Landell. of that guy. Jock Landell, right? Yeah. It's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. And as a Mavs fan, Zion, I think we know a bad center rotation when we see one. Yeah, we do. And and that's it's not a good one. Um so I thought maybe it would have been nice to see if. Well, actually, I don't really like Phoenix, so I'm kind of glad with the whole that they <laughs> I can't got. Stand the Phoenix yeah, Suns. so I mean, I'm okay with it. Um, but big trade there. We'll see how that plays out. Obviously, excited for the NBA season. We'll we'll be talking about it a little bit more. Uh, right now, it's, it just seems a little too early to be talking about NBA, but we'll be getting back into it very very soon. We're gonna pivot to a very popular game right now. It is the Immaculate Grid. Uh, for those that are, are not aware, it's we're, we're going to be focusing on baseball. There are nine squares, and usually there are different teams that are on the grid. I like the music. And you have to figure out a player that's played for both of those teams. So we'll kind of explain it a little bit here. Uh, do you guys want to talk about what's on the grid? Because this is audio so it's a little hard but we'll try to explain it yeah so so okay i just pulled up the grid it's a grid every day it's brand new at 7 a.m uh on the west coast 9 a.m in central time here um but so i just pulled it up it's one a day so what we've got here on the top row we've got the boston red sox this is all from left to right boston red sox 200 or more hits in a single season and then a hall of fame column and then going from top to bottom in the rows you've got st louis cardinals detroit tigers and the san francisco giants so we got to figure out players for instance in this first column it's got the red sox so we got to go down and say who's played for the red sox and the cardinals the red sox and the tigers and then lastly the red sox and the giants and it goes that way it's basically like a tic-tac-toe board and basically matching up players that 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 fit these descriptions so this is the first time we're seeing it so whatever it is today this is it and so we're gonna have a go with it we've got nine minutes left in the show and we're gonna do our best to fill this out we're working as a team here in a limited uh, limited uh time in the music that i have here so okay. we need to get it done before the music ends okay so starting off um this one just came to mind real quick i don't like this pick 
because I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But Scott Rowland for the Hall of Fame and the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. I put, think that's one I'm going to go. It, put it in. Let's do it. Right, ooh, 5%. Was it correct? Yeah. So when you guess a player, it gives you a percentage of how rare and how many what how many other people are doing that. So only 5% of people picked Scott Rowland. Bingo. We got, I got... I got a, I got one, I think. For Tigers Hall of Fame? Uh, Tigers Red Sox. Oh, okay. Uh, for me, J.D. Martinez. I was going to say David Price. David Ooh. Price. Which is going to be more rare? I'd say I'd say David Price. Yeah. Just because J.D. Martinez is more recent. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's lock it in. David Price is 12%. We did get that correct. There we go. Okay. So I think we say let's, let's get the Tigers road done. Tigers 200 plus hits season. That's Cabrera easily if we want to go there. Okay, did Alan Trammell do it? Because I have to. Did, I have to. did Victor Martinez do it? I wanted to say Alan Trammell. I um, Victor Martinez. Who else? Who else are we thinking of here? 200 um, hits. I think I think uh, Vimo and uh, Miguel. Oh, Al Kaline for sure had 200 hits in the season. Probably Cabrera is obviously the easy one here. Um, can we? I want to do Alan Trammell. <laughs> you want to do Alan Trammell? Do you guys want to do that? We'll do Alan Trammell. I, I'm confident. I, he had to have, right? He was, he was a great hitting. I don't know. This is your guess, man. Seth? Book it. Let's do Book it. Book it. Let's do it. I am not related to him, but ding, ding, ding. Oh, he is gosh. on the board at 6%. Alan Trammell, again, not related, but, you know, great last name. And the music ended, but, well, no, no it's, we, we're, we got, still we're still going. There's, still there's going. breaks in the music. Okay, Tigers Hall of Fame. Tigers Hall of Fame. Gosh. Ty Cobb. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm thinking about rarity, though. I'm trying to think. I'm trying mm. to think. I mean, yeah, well, Miguel Cabrera will obviously be he will be, a but Hall of Famer. Um, he is not right now. Who should we just lock in Ty Cobb? Lock yeah, in Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. Let's, lock lock, let's in. lock in Ty Cobb. All right. And, of course, he made it, so it is a 24%. That is our highest score. We're doing pretty good, guys. Uh, let's do... Do you want to do the bottom row? Yeah, sure. Let's, okay. Let's get it going. So... Giants, 200 hits, 200 hits or more in a season. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Jeff Kent got more than 200 hits in a season. He ended up with 2,400 hits. Yeah. I, I, I've i been looking at Jeff Kent very recently. I'm writing a paper, sports paper. I think I want to put Jeff Kent, but if you guys have Did any. Did Pablo Sandoval get more than 200 plus hits in a season? That's Panda. tough. I don't know. Uh, Posey, I'm going to assume I don't not. Think Probably so. not. Um, I want to put. Jeff Kent is just one that comes to mind. He was just a really, really solid hitter. Uh, um, I mean, Barry didn't. I think we gotta. I think we got to go with Kent. Jeff Kent? Let's do it. All right, let's see. Prayers, prayers, prayers. Oh, we missed it. We missed it. Jeff Kent did not hit for 200 plus. We'll look at the end to see some oh, of the players that did. We're failures. Let's move on. Giants Hall of Fame. Unbelievable. Willie Mays. Willie Mays. Oh man, yeah, Willie Mays. I think. I think. I bet I you think, Willie McCovey hit 200 I think, or more. I think after Jeff Kent, 
we gotta get a bit. We gotta get a guarantee here. We gotta go with Mays. Yeah, let's do it. Willie Mays. Yeah, that is correct at twenty eight percent. Oh my gosh. All I right. apologize, boys. No, it's okay. I'm so sorry. It's all good. Oh, oh, Boston, San Francisco, Pablo Sandoval. Do you want to? Let's just do that. Yeah. Uh, that's the first. That's I. I'm kind of drawing blanks there. Um, that is correct, but it is a higher score at 42. Ah, I'm sorry, guys. But that's sorry. okay. It's okay. That's sorry. fine. Okay. At least we're getting them here. All right. So we have two left: a St. Louis Cardinals and a Boston Red Sox. There's got to be player. so many. There's got to be so many. Did Ozzy Smith have more than 200 hits in a season? Oh, we're oh we're talking Cardinals Red Sox. Player. Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, my uh, bad. Cardinals okay. two hundred plus hits. Goldschmidt did it last year, I think. Right? Did he? Did he I have over two so. hundred? Do know. you want to do that first? Let's do Cardinals two hundred plus hits. Yeah. So Goldschmidt or Ozzy Smith? I think Ozzy Smith is the better guess here. You think Ozzy Smith is? Mm-hmm. All right. Nope, he's not. Unfortunately. Well, I didn't type it in yet, so I'm going to say Paul Goldschmidt got it. Let's see. He didn't either, so we oh, went man. 0 for 2 on both of those. Okay, finally, Red Sox Cardinals player. Uh, eesh, I don't know. Relievers, relievers, relievers. There's got to be so many did, relievers. Um, oh, no. Did Chris Carpenter play for the Red Sox? I don't think he did. No. No, um, he didn't. Who? Shoot. There's, there, there's got to be an obvious one that we're just totally blowing up. We got, we got three minutes to get, out, get this out of here. Oh my gosh! Oh, uh, Michael Waka. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Waka, Waka. Lock it in, boys. Lock it in. Lock it in. Oh man, that is correct. Uh, so what was the rarity score on that one? So we didn't do oh six percent. That was pretty good. Yeah. So we didn't like look up like base, you know, to to make sure or anything. Yep. So you know, we didn't get all of them. So oh my Edgar days. Renteria for Boston St. Louis was the most common. We one. didn't do Albert. Pujols. Oh my gosh, Pujols, Stan Musial. Oh my god, and then Giants Willie Mays. We tried to get cute there. Uh, Jeff Kent was a good one though. That was that was a good one. Only fifty six percent. That was the lowest score. Was Giants two hundred plus hits. Uh, so we did okay overall. I think it wasn't too bad. J.D. Martinez was the highest for Tigers-Red Sox, by the way. And then Pablo Sandoval for Giants-Red Sox. But I think the Albert Pujols 200-plus hits win is going to eat at my my soul yep. for a little while here. Yeah, that hurts. Um, it feels like David Freeze has had, like, 200-plus hits against the Rangers, like, his whole career, you know. even I know he didn't, but the ones that counted still hurt. Um, Dang, man. But I think we did a good job. There is the other uh, sports, but we we won't get into that. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you all for listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify on YouTube. You can uh, follow us all there at Riff Ram Review. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Riff Ram Review. For Ian Apetian and Seth Dowdle, I'm Zion Trammell. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 5. We'll be back here next Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Well, 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 wait. We will be uh, live on Wednesday from 6 to 8. Yes, and we will have a bonus episode on Monday talking about the MLB playoffs. We didn't talk about it today, and that's for a reason. We will talk about the MLB playoffs and our predictions for that. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good night, and as always, go Frogs. 